Ah, look at this. Look at this. Podcast, a podcast a week. My new schedule for the, at least the rest of the year. Can it be done? That's the question. Boy, I haven't heard from Sir Michael Caine in a while. <laughs> I think he might have abandoned me on my quest to do a, an episode a week. Um, I am expecting him to call uh, one of these days, though, because there is some exciting news. I, 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 I got acting work. Acting work in a little play called It's a Wonderful Life. Um, in case you've been living under a rock the past 50 years, um, It's a Wonderful Life is a story of George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart. Uh, J- Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart. Ah, ah. And uh, it's a story about uh, the importance we have in each other's lives and the connections and why you shouldn't kill yourself when things go bad because you matter. And some other things it takes place during actually different parts of time of the year and uh, ends up around Christmas time. Uh, I auditioned for the lead role. Um, not having any uh, real experience besides auditioning. Uh, on the stage, uh, I didn't get the part, but I tried like hell. Um, I think a more seasoned, experienced guy got the lead. Uh, I was not unhappy about it, but it's mostly because of the time crunch I'm on in these past couple months. Um, however, I did get a role as Bert, Bert the policeman, uh, and his buddy Ernie. Which is funny, because I never knew Bert and Ernie came from this movie. I always assumed Bert and Ernie was an original naming combination from Sesame Street. Apparently not. Um, so I am playing Bert, and it is, it is funny. Um, but I have a few lines. I got, oh, I don't know, maybe eight or nine lines of dialogue, so I'm pretty happy about that. I think the first weekend of December, first weekend of December, it's playing. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Um, like I was saying, uh, you know, it's my first uh, stage play that I've actually uh, been able to to perform in. So there's something to be said about that. I'm thankful. I had to do an opening monologue to audition for it. And one of the things they have you do is read poetry or something that you memorized. And I don't don't know much poetry off the top of my hand, and I don't get too jazzed about poetry. It's not my thing, but I appreciate it. What I did grab was a great little scene from Lethal Weapon 2 um, about Martin Riggs, the the night he... uh, Spoilers. The night he... uh, (laughs) Uh, the night he uh, lost his wife in a, in a car accident, uh, in which we find out that uh, 
one of the uh, villains in the movie uh, helped uh, helped aid in that backstory. But anyway, it's about really it's about how things bring you back to certain memory objects. In this case, it was Martin Riggs's gold pen, and the gold pen was just lying there under the cou- under the couch. And she, his wife had been looking for it everywhere. Uh, well, prior to that, um, he was up to his eyeballs in work. And Vicky decided to drive home alone. And uh, he stayed late at the office, police office, whatever. And uh, he got the phone call that she had been killed in a fatal accident. And... Uh, he figured if she had if he had gone with her, maybe she'd be all right. This is all explained thoroughly by Riggs, in in this opening monologue, and um, so he gets home and he he finds this gold pen uh, under the gold couch under under the couch while he was uh, losing it. He was losing it and weeping. He spots the pen under the couch. And he just he, he sighs and he shakes his head that he found it finally, and he used that he used that gold pen to I, to sign her out of the morgue which he was forced to identify her in, and I thought that was just a I, the way uh, Mel Gibson plays that part, it's so like ah very nonchalant like yeah you know it's an everyday kind of thing. Um, Murtaugh's wife, you know, brings up the gold pen that she found a gold pen in the laundry, and uh, it just spins off into this um, touching little scene that's it's played really well. Um, very, uh, yeah, very nonchalant. Like, yeah, it's just another, just another uh, story, you know. Very, uh, and it's very subtle how he plays the emotions, and that's. What I was going for, and you know, I you know I was memorizing a couple days before I auditioned, and I missed a couple lines, but I was able to riff it just right. And I could have done it a lot better, but uh, I think I did just well enough to get to get to get the part, and I was happy about that. Um, not happy about the fees I had to pay <laughs> in order to. Uh, Get up on there. Get get be part of the whole thing. Um, but anyway, that's another podcast. Um, so I've been going to rehearsals once every couple weeks, or once or tw- once a week, and um, it's neat. There's something magical about the stage. There is. You got to project your voice. Get it, by, you know, so people can hear you. Uh, one of the things I'm more used to acting in in, in films, in short films, um, is that you have to be big and and where where to look. Obviously, you look at the actor, but when you look away, it's where it's there's so much to look at in in the audience. You don't want to look at a single person. You don't want to look too. It's weird. So. Um, the the big thing right now is uh working uh two jobs well three jobs while doing this <laughs> while doing this crazy thing 
and uh, and on top of that, taking a, an accelerator course, an online business accelerator, at the same time. Now, uh, this is a recipe for disaster, but I'm I'm eking through it. I'm getting through it with two weeks to go, in the accelerator, and uh, the online accelerator business class is uh, developing my skills. Um, in my drawing department and uh, to where I can successfully market my skills to the general public and help people draw and uh, get passionate about that. Uh, Again, I always say this podcast is about comics as well. And drawing is um, something that I've been doing since I was six. And, you know, the the creative arts, you know, uh, drawing short story or writing short stories, drawing them in a comic book form. Um, and then my love for, for, you know, I, 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 I have, I like cartoons. I've always loved them. Bugs Bunny and, um, uh, Hanna-Barbera cartoons and, uh, you know, uh, graduated to, uh, uh, Ghostbusters and, uh, of course that went into Ren and Stimpy, which is kind of like the last gasp of the, of the, of the cartoon era for me. And um, so I'm transporting all that knowledge and all that passion for that into a online cartooning course. Well, cartooning and storyboarding course, but I think it's just going to be cartooning for now, storyboarding later, um, and eventually comics, um, just uh, into like bite-sized courses. And... uh, yeah, this is a pretty pretty cool, interesting thing to do. And, uh, well, um, it, it, is a, it is something that I am, I, I am putting a webinar out there. November 28th, 7.30. You can attend, um, <laughs> dear listener. <laughs> Check out the webinar. Find out what it's all about. And that is going on, yeah, next Wednesday. That's November 28th. And see the details. I'll, I'll, I'll put a little uh, Zoom link in the description of this podcast that you can go check out. Um, it's pretty late. It's like 4.14 in the morning. I, I can't lie to you. But uh, I promised to put out you know, a podcast this week, and here I am doing it. Um, what else, what else, what else? Oh, little movie review. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Finally saw Ant-Man and the Wasp on DVD. And, uh, there's some good parts in that movie. Um, he gets real big, he saves, you know, he gets, he saves, uh, he's in the water. You know, I like when the, the special effects are really good when he gets big. And uh, there's a lot being shrunken in this. There's a lot of vans being shrunken down into little matchbox cars, which is fun. It's a neat idea. Buildings getting shrunk down. Um, the villain in this is a, a woman that's kind of up against it because she's, she's going through, spoilers, she's going through uh, uh, kind of the effects of, of uh, quantum effects. Of, of, uh, I forgot what it was shrinking or something like that. She's got similar powers to Ant-Man or something. And so she's on a time crunch to get some kind of uh, 
What was it? To get something... Uh, uh, I forgot. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, <laughs> much of a review. Michael Douglas's character, um, he was like the original Ant Man. He goes down to the quantum level to find his uh, his wife, uh, the wa- the original Wasp, and he finds her in the quantum realm. And the quantum realm, the way they depict it, I felt they needed more time to do interesting things with that. I felt it was kind of like a psychedelic mess, similar to uh, Doctor Strange, but I thought Doctor Strange did a little bit better. Um, uh, it's just, when he finds her, it's it, it's not really much, and then she comes back, and then she comes back kind of briefly, probably for ten minutes. Um, I think Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, role kind of needed to be more. She needed more lines. She needed more screen time for people to care a little bit more about her character. Um, I know maybe they touched on her in the first one. It's been a while since I watched the first one. Um, this has some some funny moments. Um, his his buddies, uh, Ant Man's buddies in this are, are still kind of annoying, uh, kind of over the top, silly. And, uh, I, again, I think it's the same writer from the first one that feels like, and director, it just feels very forced as far as the comedy goes. It is funny, but I felt the lines and everything felt kind of uh, maybe too formulaic again and not natural enough. Um, there's something about the way it's written and, and the way they're being performed, and they're all very capable actors, but... I think it has a lot to do with the director. Um, I didn't think the I thought the villain was slightly better than the first one, but it was still you need you needed a little bit more, a little bit more there. Lawrence Fishburne's in it, and he you know he has a, an interesting kind of turn in it as like a, an ex buddy of ex buddy of uh, Hank Pym there, the original Ant Man. Um, but I'd say I'd give this movie, um, well, I'd give it a seven and a half. It's almost an eight. You know, that's about, I'd say that's about where the original was. It's almost quite an eight. But I'd say maybe I'm tempted to give this closer to an eight. Um, I guess if I, if I rewatched it, I think, I think the, the weaknesses, again, the villain, I just needed built more, I needed a little bit more for the villain. Um, and the wasp, the new wasp they had it, have in it. Again, both wasps, I didn't feel, had quite enough time to do their thing. Um, maybe they're saving it for the next Ant-Man movie, but for something that's so hyped, I don't think we got a lot of that. And I thought we needed more character development with the original Wasp. And I think there's some missed opportunities. But there's enough fun parts in this movie to be like, man, that was funny or that was cool. So it, it's definitely worth checking out and renting. Um, I, I am kind of sorry I missed it in the theater. But these Ant-Man movies are good, but they're not Iron Man good. And they need to be Iron Man good. They can be Iron Man good. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to leave you. Check out my webinar coming soon. 
again, Wednesday, November 28th at 7.30. It'll be a Zoom link. You, you copy and paste that link to your uh, browser or download the Zoom software. It's very handy-dandy. And uh, until then, um, long days. May you have long days and pleasant nights. Hambo out.